What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Live from Israel. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine, threw the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you, people call, say, beware, doll, you're bound to fall, you thought they were all. I'm kidding you. Another great tune right here, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan here as we start the 8 o'clock hour. You know that last Peerless Boiler spot? I recognize that voice. That's our great sales girl. Love her, Leslie Slender, who just sent me a text. So proud of you. Proud to know you. You sound awesome. Bobby Hartman, a beautiful text. Joseph Abu, this is unbelievable. Radio Joe Muria, nice text. And I do want to thank Judge Proust who made his way to Israel last night. He's on the same flight as Danielle and Gabriel and Justin, Judge Proust, and his beautiful right, wife, right Tammy. Us. He was yeah, right he's a great us. guy. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, he used to, uh, he used to break Danielle's balls in, uh, <laughs> in court, and then he found out I was her husband. And <laughs> I, got, yeah. I got that vibe a little bit. <laughs> he's a great guy. Terrific. In fact, he went to shul that day in Woodmere. When um when I did the uh, the whole thing for Dolph Hiking, so yeah, him and Rabbi Bloomstein. Let's get back to uh, Alex Trayman here at JNS. So when we uh, stopped the conversation moments ago, Alex, I said to you that while we're talking about the South still and Hamas and some attacks here and there across Israel, there's a real fear among the folks that live here, the folks that I have spoken to, that the war in the North is not a matter of if it's inevitable, it's going to be when, and when it does. They expect basically Israel to be shut down. I mean, Jerusalem could be electricity, could mean uh, issue getting cash. There's a real fear that a war in the north will cripple Israel. Are you worried about that? Well, I think it's an anticipation at this point. Uh, I think most Israelis understand that uh, Hezbollah is the much more dangerous of the terror proxies on our border. Whatever whatever attack that Hamas was able to uh, carry out, which included a cross-border raid and, and the sending of uh, tens of thousands of, of rockets, you know, those are uh, short-range rockets for the most part, and they're not sophisticated rockets. Uh, Hezbollah has double, triple, maybe quadruple the number of soldiers uh, in, in southern Lebanon right, ready to, to try to, to breach the border, but they also have uh, as many as 150. 
and well, 150,000 rockets, many of them long range, many of them also precision guided, so they can actually start targeting uh, strategic positions in Israel. And as you mentioned, that could be power plants, that could be the airport, uh, that could be natural gas rigs. Uh, it could be the Knesset. It could be uh, the the head of the IDF in Tel Aviv. So they they can really put much of the country uh, under fire. Simple question: If you're fighting in the south and the north, as you say, becomes a much more difficult task with a lot more finances and people needed, does Israel have enough? Do we have enough uh, in terms of men, in terms of money, to fight the wars in the north and the south, and God knows where else? Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's why the the government's kind of been waiting to try to finish up uh, in the south first so that they can deploy the troops that are currently fighting in the south up to the north. Um, And you do have the question of how much uh, artillery, how much uh, rockets and missiles from uh, Israeli airplanes uh, do they really have? And you've seen uh, some some, uh, incidents in the Gaza Strip. We we had uh, one where 21 uh, soldiers were killed detonating a building. Uh, two buildings in the Gaza Strip just about a week ago, and people said, well, why didn't the the Air Force just bomb those buildings from the sky? Why you have soldiers laying mines inside the buildings? To well, do I, 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 know the answer, I know the answer to that already, and it's called, uh, they, they say outside pressure, but let's be honest, it's pressure from our president, our country, which is disgraceful. That's why those kids died, because of pressure from the United States, which I'm not okay with. Well, there is that pressure, but there's also the military calculation, which says that the, the Air Force needs to, to stockpile all of its weaponry as much as possible. Because uh, if you if you know that you're going to come under the attack of these uh, Hezbollah rockets, you have to go fast and furious inside Lebanon. Right now, you know, they're going very methodically, building to building, uh, taking their time, finding the tunnels. In, in Lebanon, you're not going to have the time to do that because the whole – the whole country is going to be under fire. So they, they have to go fast and furious inside uh, southern Lebanon. And they're, they're saying that they will try to take out as many of the uh, strategic sites that Hezbollah has, including uh, weapons depots, within the first 24 hours. And they need all the air power that they can muster. Wow, scary. Let me go back to the south. Two more will let you go, Alex. Uh, the hostages. As soon as I landed at Tel Aviv, you know, when you when you when I exit the airport, the airplane, I should say, there was this beautiful, beautiful area where um, I'm wearing not one but two necklaces today, and uh, Rabbi Bloomstein gave me one this morning, and, you know, it's uh, it talks about bring home the hostages, and I think everybody in Israel is wearing these today. There had to be a 1,000 of them hanging from the ceiling in the airport. Then when you walk past that, there's a face of every hostage that is still being held. The number you hear is 136. I doubt that's it. I'm sure a lot of them are dead, a lot of them. Uh, might be a raise to young girls or not, and what they're doing to them on a daily basis is just inhumane. That's how I feel. Uh, anything, anything new on the hostages, developments, because it doesn't seem to me like Bibi and Israel right now, while well, they want to get these hostages out, there's no doubt about it. They even offered a two-week uh, pause, right, or a month pause just last week. Nothing's going to stop them from destroying Hamas. Nothing and nobody. Yeah, Israel has no choice. They have to take this to the end. It's more important to make sure that uh, Hamas is never able to carry out an attack like they did on October 7th and take even one more hostage. And and that's hard. That creates a tremendous amount of tension because you know these families are pushing the government to make their loved ones who are who are held captive the number one priority. Uh, but the government has to balance a, a lot of different considerations, including uh, a, not an unlimited timetable. 
to carry out its its actions inside Gaza. As you mentioned, there's a lot of American pressure. There's a lot of international pressure. We saw uh, what just happened last week at the International Court of Justice. Uh, so Israel needs to, to finish this as, as fast as possible, and, and it looks like they've been doing that. Uh, they, they tackled the north. Uh, they've moved through the center, and now they're fighting in the last Hamas uh, stronghold of Khan Yunus, and it's believed that they are getting closer and closer to uh, some of Hamas's senior leadership. And, and I think the question would be if at the end of this, there could be a way to uh, make a trade to get back the hostages uh, in exchange for allowing uh, some of Hamas's senior, senior leadership to, to exit the country into exile. You know, in the final 60 seconds, Alex, I've had people here on the ground tell me that uh, with children, of course, and you've got kids too, uh, young kids. And they said, listen, my kids know about what happened. Obviously, you can't hide it. Uh, but we don't give them the graphic details, and we stay away from telling our kids that they have kids who are hostages because our kids believe this is basically for adults, and they'd be even more scared if they knew that there are kids their age being held hostage right now. Do you and your wife, you guys uh, do the same thing in your home? Well, our kids know that there are kids held hostage, and it's, uh, we try to keep life as as normal as possible. But we also try to explain to our kids that uh, we live in this tremendous time in history where the Jewish people actually get to fight uh, for their country because there were so many generations where the Jews just had no opportunity to fight. And, uh, yes, we still fight those battles, but uh, we have uh, an army, we have an Air Force, and, and we will be victorious. Alex, uh, what can I say? Thank you so much for the studios. I'm sure I'll be seeing you uh, throughout the week. Your studios are beautiful. Your workforce is great. Your wife has been amazing. I mean that. And we're all very excited to have Shabbos dinner at your house coming up on Friday night. Thank you for everything. I'll see you and talk to you later. Thanks so much, Sid. My man, Alex Treman right there, JNS. That wraps up hour number two. A little more Bob Dylan for you. I love myself some Bob Dylan. Big hour three coming up, including... My guy, Steve Bannon, what's next for the 45th and hopefully the 47th president of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump, hour three, coming at you. Nobody's ever taught you how to live out on the street, and now you're going to have to get used to it. You say you never compromise with a mystery tramp, but now you Selling any alibis as you stand to the vacuum of his eyes and say, Do you want to make a If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at 
info at gobblelaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Live from Israel. 77 WABC. Now in Israel, it is uh, 3.20 in the afternoon, 8.20 back in New York City, live today from JNS Studios in Jerusalem. Today through Thursday, four shows. The messages keep coming in. Lisa Orban, valued member of our staff, saying some very, very nice things. Mike Sullivan and Jackie Hunter. You know, I love this song, Lou. I love the talking heads. And uh, my guy, Steve Zemak, who used to produce my show down in South Florida for many, many years at both 560 and 640. Steve Zemak's family lives in Israel as well, so thank you, Steve, for the kind comments. Mark Provazar took a walk with me this morning when um, I went to the Western Wall. There was a bunch of us. It was Yehuda Hanekman, who's one of the uh, people really most responsible for this trip. His buddy Aaron, Rabbi Bloom, was there from uh, Woodmere, and Mark. And uh, Josh was there, too. And um, Mark is a uh, really smart guy, and He's got some type of a cock the title. I don't know. He works for One Israel Fund, and basically, if you mess with a Jew, he's going to kill you. That's who he is. He looks like Indiana Jones. He's handsome. He's got the white beard. He wears the hat. He wears a lot of brown and greens. But he knows the history of Israel and is one brave son of a bitch. So with that said, uh, here he is, my new friend, Mark. Why are you laughing? That's you. Is that not you? I guess it's definitely one side of me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know you're a nice guy. you got children. You even talk... But I even said at one point to you, I said, with this um, war in the north becoming altogether possible, you're 61, but you look great. You look amazing. Thank you. I go, would you go back? And he said, no, 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 but I've got kids. So that's where I saw the father, yeah. Mark the father, and that was, that was sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a, it's a grim reality when you have kids uh, that serve. Yeah. It's tough. And they're both, one's 26 and one's 31, so they would go yeah. right into action right away. If, in fact, it starts in the north, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So tell me about uh, One Israel Fund. They uh, they uh, put this trip together. Uh, you guys have been, you you guys, you and Scott have been very generous. And uh, I spoke to Scott a couple of days ago. He was so excited about getting me here. This is my pilgrimage, as you know, my first yeah. time. Uh, tell me exactly what you guys do. So One Israel Fund is an organization, uh, I believe it started in 93, actually, Uh a lot of major Jewish organizations uh, put a limit on what they call the Green Line. They tend to forget that there are Jews living throughout Judea and Samaria and don't assist. Don't assist. They don't help. And the Green Line, uh, you, you pointed it out to me this morning. I'll give you what uh, it reminds me of. I used to go to Lake Tahoe every year for the Celebrity Golf Tournament. It was a big deal. Yeah. I covered it three straight summers. Gorgeous. There's a line in the street. In the street, Mark, one side says Nevada. One side says California. You walk over that line, a line in the street. You're in a different state. 
That's, the green line is not exactly like that, but close, right? Well, that's, ex- that's exactly it. A lot of people don't realize just how close, in a sense, it is. And But these. Uh, but that separates uh, not uh, Nevada and California, but Jews and Arabs. Uh, no. No. No, it separates Judea and Samaria. Okay. What a lot of people like to call the West Bank. Right. Which I think is not correct. But uh, Why do you say that? Because the West Bank of the Jordan is from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. That's why I say it. Okay. And so they're just geographically incorrect. Well, I think they're, they're not. People just like to say, oh, that's the West Bank, you know. Mm-hmm. And when uh, I think when the, the Arabs speak about the West Bank, they're actually talking about Israel. Right, right. All of, all of Israel. Right, right. But, uh, so you guys came into existence uh, basically to well, represent. Well, not to represent, but to, to provide assistance. You know, there's always been a lot of philanthropic uh, uh, actions and efforts to, to assist uh, Israel. And the major Jewish federations and organizations really put that on their line. They're not going to help these people over there. And when Israel Fund came about to provide exactly that from all... Well, give me something practical you guys assist with. What exactly is it? Food, is it? Well, not, security. We're, we're to, well, security is obviously one of the things that's uh, what I deal with. But there was also, whether it be community projects, schools, uh, synagogues, uh, courses, anything and everything to make, to build up a quality of life. Yeah. That's what they do. And like I said, my niche is simply security because that's the world I... Live in. from that's right because you're not like Scott right now in uh, the five towns. Uh, Scott and I were a little different. <laughs> yeah, a little different. Uh, both wonderful men, but a little different. So, um, are you one of these folks? Again, I, I had it all wrong, man. You know, you're up in New York, and I'm under the impression that yeah, Jews and Arabs get along. In fact, I thought you guys stopped using the word Arabs. You know, I thought that became kind of like nasty, and I've gotten it all wrong at least these two days. Um, you guys, almost everyone I speak to, to a man, anecdotal, but to a man, is like, enough of these people. This is our land. It's not theirs. It's not theirs. And we, we've been kind enough to allow them to live here, and we don't mess with them. We don't bother them, and they keep attacking us. Enough is enough. This is your land, right? I personally feel it's our land, and, uh, I mean, let's But you showed me proof this morning, even when you showed me the tunnels underneath the Western Wall. Yeah. Look, they're they're... Anyone who denies our historical connection is—I don't, I don't know how I have to, how much of my language I have to tone down here. No, you can go crazy. Oh, okay. I think you so, can tell already. Right. But people love me, okay, there you go. <laughs> including you. So a lot, a lot of people, again, the minute that they say that we have no claim to this land, they're basically full of shit. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not talking religious. I'm, I'm not even going to take it biblical or anything, even though obviously there is that, in a big way. I'm just talking historical facts. That's it. That's the, it. The, the you, you saw it today. I saw it. Anyone who studies history, anyone with a quarter of a brain who studies history, who goes along the timeline, sees our existence here. So when they say the Jews weren't here or you don't have, that's crap. It's crap. They're always it's here. It's full of crap. And some of these Arab villages that you pointed out to me today, close to the Western Wall, um, they believe it was there for a 1,000 years, maybe less than a 100 they're just wrong. Now, that comes down, I guess, their parents, their grandparents. So they've been misled, misguided, but they actually believe that nonsense. Well, there, there's a, it, look, the story is, it goes a lot more than just that. It's, it's not that simple. Um, first of all, a lot of the towns throughout Judea and Samaria have, have a Jewish history to them. And the Arabs like to say no. The Arabs who, who like to say no. They're lo- that being said, 
there are a lot of Arabs that understand that no, and we're not, you know, I'm not going to stereotype all of them. I've worked with Arabs many, many years, many years, in a very good way. I've helped them out where I can. I, I really, my concept of security is keeping quiet, and I like humans. I just don't like humans killing each other. That's my, my issue. But I've gotten the feeling that, that even though uh, you like humans and you've worked with Arabs and you try to find a way here to be nice, which is very nice of you, that at least the guys I speak to, you just don't trust them. I, that I, there could be a guy you could work with for 20 years. You could wake up one morning and decide, I want to kill right. you. That's right. That's right. That's what can happen. And that, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people who believed differently – uh, on October 7th, got a, a vicious wake-up call. And it wasn't just October 7th. I mean, we can take it back to the Intifada of 2000 when people thought, hey, everything would be fine. And the next thing they know, that these were people who were identifying with the left wing of, of, of the, the spectrum. Of, yeah. yeah, and yeah. saying... And, well, interesting, I, I found it uh, fascinating this morning, and you're a great person to, to walk with, was forget about 2000, forget about October 7th. You took it all the way back oh, to the destruction of the temple. You said that was our first clue. And it's still going on. Absolutely. Why is that? Absolutely. Look, what we saw, we saw remnants of the first temple. We saw remnants of the second temple, which was our, that we were here, which was actually the last time that there was a sovereign Jewish entity in this land until 1948. And in 1948, and what did I say? Let's bring it back to history. Everyone was up there saying, okay, after the war, the Jews were coming back to Israel, actually had no choice, really. And what did the Arabs do? What did five Arab armies do? They attacked Israel. They attacked with the intent of destroying everybody here. Now, this was after the world decided on the first, let's call it the first two-state solution, where they said, you know, they took this area region. Again, if we study just history, the whole region was called Palestine, not based on anything, but Hadrian goes back all the way. So Jordan gets separate. Then you have Jordan and Palestine. And then the U.N. comes up with their solution, their first two-state solution. Jews are getting this. Arabs are getting this. And whatever, you know, that, that's the first step. Yeah. Israel declares independence. They declare themselves a state. All the Arab nations attack to destroy Israel. And the crime that the Jewish people commit then is that we win. We won. Right. And we didn't lose and we didn't die and the arabs have not forgiven us since then that's right there's no question so with about, with about three minutes to go um we won like you said but there's still that two-state solution that is bandied about all the time the president of my country who i think is a moron uh, i know he's old and he's feeble and he's losing his mind and but he's also stupid and evil he really is and doesn't care about you people i don't know how you feel but he doesn't care um because he'll you know gladly give Iran $6 billion and then cry on TV about Israel. You can't do both. Uh, he is still talking about a two-state solution. Uh, last I checked, you guys have tried that for decades and decades and decades, and they keep epping it up. What am I missing here? You're missing that they, you know, when the whole Oslo talks started and they were going to say, oh, Judea and Samaria or the West Bank, that was going to become a Palestinian state. There were certain conditions to start. First, stop educating your kids to kill Jews. Yeah, at like seven years old. <laughs> no, we can go. It's way Even before younger. seven. Okay, that was the first thing. That's never that's never stopped. Uh, it, it, the Arabs have not accepted Israel. They haven't accepted Israel, 
And, and, that's, and they never will. It's, it's been too long now. So, so this, and this is what, you know, in a sense where it gets me, look, I, I was in the army here. I fought. My first war was Lebanon. I fought in the Intifada. And obviously I was involved with this last, with this ongoing thing. It's, there's not enough of them that want to live in peace. And I take war very, very, very personally. Yeah. I've experienced it. I've experienced more terrorism than most people. I don't like people dying. And it seems that they don't care. They don't care. And October 7th, what's been going on is exact proof. What, they thought that we would just lie back Why they massacred and committed such atrocities? No, they knew you wouldn't. That's why they took uh, all but, these hostages. But without any care of their own people. Oh, they don't care, those They ones. don't care. care. And the world, the world, all the enlightened and the progressive, they're even coming out against Israel. Including us. They have lost their minds, have. basically. And, and for these innocent Palestinians that keep hearing about, uh, I saw the videos, you live here, Mark, of uh, Palestinians in the streets dancing, children handing out candy. Yep. They didn't seem all that uh, disturbed to me about this whole thing. And, uh, and yes, all over the world. I mean, are you disgusted as a man living here who has fought? And... Um, and you're a pretty silly guy, silly guy. You're a tough guy. Are you disgusted I, by what I, you've seen from the world? Absolutely. I, I, I can't believe that we're living in such a world where not only are people ignoring these atrocities, but are celebrating them. And I'm not talking about this, uh, the, the primitive little whatever living in some far-off village. I'm talking about the intellectuals. I'm talking about the students of Ivy League colleges. Yeah. My God. What? what these are our future leaders? Well, these are the same morons, too, that um, walked around New York City. You know, there's a guy named George Floyd who was murdered. Yeah. Was said was murdered. And by a cop who, by the way, is in prison. It's not like that cop is living in, in, in Hallandale, Florida. He's where he belongs, in prison. But that didn't stop these animals from no. causing a real insurrection. Trump, there was no insurrection. There was not, one person died that day. A black cop killed a white lady who wasn't armed that day. That's a fact. No cops died. The, the insurrection was what happened in any given city all summer long in 2020. In Atlanta, in Seattle, in New York, in Portland, in Chicago, they burned down police stations. They beat up cops in the streets. That was over a guy, George Floyd, who was arrested nine times and put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. Excuse me, he doesn't deserve the reverence and the love. Same thing with the Arabs. You've got three million Arabs here. How do you fix this? That's the question. No, that's an answer I can't... Uh... That's a question I can't answer, but there's, I, there's something, some food for thought that people should look at a little bit. If we look at that, uh, we'll take it back to Occupy Wall Street. Yes. To the BLM movement, to this movement. If you study it, you will see a pattern. You'll see a continuing pattern. And it's unfortunate, and it keeps on growing. And this is, in a sense, the real problem behind all this. And people are ignoring it. It is a pattern. This is going through. We're, I, I'm always curious just to play with words. What's the next cause? Yeah, I know. And, they're, gonna do and next? they're just waiting for it. They, exactly. George Soros, these college kids, they're just waiting. What's next? And it doesn't matter. Uh, these pro-Palestinians, they're out there advocating murder, advocating murder, and they don't care. Hey, uh, you're great. Uh, anything else on the way out about One Israel Fun you just want to let the listeners know about? No, I, I think that the people that care, I think I call One Israel Fun a total humanitarian organization because, in, in first of all, besides, like I, said, I mentioned, the community projects, but in the realm of security, just trying to keep people alive, keep them safe, giving them basic human rights. And uh, it's interesting. And I combine that 
with my art, which I got yeah. to show you one time. Yeah, right? I can't wait to see your art. I'm Absolutely. actually going to buy of one of your pieces. And I hope that you keep coming back and I spend the rest of the week with you because I find you to be Absolutely fascinating. A wonderful thank guy, you. sweet thank guy, you. but very you know, smart guy and fascinating. So thank you very I much. Try. Thank you. My man. What a pleasure. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. That's Mark. And uh, Scott, of course, runs the organization, but Mark keeps us all safe. That is a, that's a good dude right there. One Israel fun. We'll take a short break. When we get back, my buddy Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon talking Donald Trump right after this on Sid and Friends in the morning. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. So we're going to head down to the southern part of Israel on Friday. We're not doing a show on Friday, of course. We're working Monday through Thursday. Friday is the Sabbath, and these studios and uh, uh, other things shut down early. And it just so happens that sometime in the middle of our show on Friday, the Sabbath would start, and they're not going to be open here. So no show on Friday. You've got us uh, the rest of today. I think we've had a great three hours. And Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then Friday morning, we're going to make our way down to the south. And that promises to be the most emotional part of this trip. That is, of course, where all those real atrocities took place. We will be at the Nova Music Festival my friend Natalie Sanindaji, I just spoke to her this morning. She survived that. She's been in studio with us. Uh, we'll be there, and uh, we'll also be at some of those kibbutzim where the uh, people were just absolutely destroyed, you know, throwing babies in ovens and all these things that happened, and yet uh, somehow folks uh, in New York march up and down the streets and say that Israel's making all this up, which is... Uh, Really hard to believe. So Steve Bannon just texted me, and uh, he said, uh, I'm in Vegas. I'm at a live show. We're in a place with virtually no reception. Planet Hollywood for the Republican National Convention. Trump is there, too. And uh, so he's decided, based upon the lousy reception, not to ruin our show, which I think is very, very nice of Steve to uh, pass for today. And he'll be back with us when we're back in New York, and he's back in what is he living in, Steve? Uh, Washington. 
next week of right. Virginia, one of those spots. Yeah, he lived right around the swamp. Yeah, right around there. So we'll talk to uh, Bannon coming up next week. Congressman Anthony D'Esposito will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We're going to have a special phone call coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as well. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. I may open the phones like I did Friday late in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll see. So keep it right here, folks. Sid Rosenberg, Sid and Friends in the Morning, live from Jerusalem, as we're going to be through Thursday, giving you coverage of the war in Israel and, of course, the news from around the world, including Super Bowl 58, which for the second time in four years will feature the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. More of me from Jerusalem next. We're not going to take it. Never did and never will. We're not gonna take it, gonna break it, gonna shake it. Let's forget it better still. Now you can hear me, your ears are truly sealed. Speak either your mouth is filled. You can't see nothing, and pinball completes the scene. Here comes Uncle Ernie to guide you to your very own machine. We're not gonna take it. 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 Never did and never will. Don't want no religion. And as far as we can tell, we ain't gonna take you. Never did and never will. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.